they're all a bunch of angels, aren't they? <laughs> hey, speaking of that, we're going to talk about angels today. See what I did there? Yeah, nice segue. Thank you, thank you. Plus two points on the sermon already for a good segue. Uh, last week I preached a message that nobody really wants to hear about. It was a sermon about hell. This week I'm going to preach a sermon that's on a topic that I think we have a lot more fun hearing about. It's, it's about angels. Uh, we love angels. Uh, I saw data from a Gallup poll about five years ago. 72% of Americans believe in angels. And that number is not being driven by Christians. As a matter of fact, the Associated Press did a similar poll, and they found out that four out of ten people who never attend religious services of any sort, four out of ten of them, they still believe in angels. The American culture, Western world, uh, just society today, we, we believe in angels. And we love angels. We think angels are great. There are angels in our books, angels in our TV shows, angels in our movies. There are angels in our music. Uh, back in, in the 90s, uh, the, the show Touched by an Angel was one of the most popular shows on TV. At one point, it was the highest rated show on CBS. It went on to live for years after its run on syndication on various platforms. How many remember Clarence, the angel from It's a Wonderful Life? Clarence Oddbody was his name, AS2, which stood for Angel, second class. Clarence was waiting, still trying to earn his wings, wasn't he? And how many of us? How many of us have seen the commercials of the little doggies in their cages, the ASPCA against animal cruelty, and Sarah McLaughlin singing, you're in the arms of the angel. Oh, 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 oh. We, we love, we love our angels. Hey, speaking of angels, I'm gonna pause here just for a moment because I neglected to say something earlier, and that is that the angel who walks among us, that's right, Reverend Mrs. Keila Black has a birthday this week, and if you wanted to wish her a happy birthday and thank her for literally dropping everything in her life so she could have Garrett and move and be with us, this would be an opportune time to do that. Keila, we love you. Thank you for being a part of our church family. Speaking of angels, see what I did there? Right, right, right. See what I did there? We love angels. In this culture, we have images in our mind of what angels look like. I, I put a few of them on a slide that we can look at here. Here's some pictures of what I think people think of when they think about angels. It's on that next one, Robert. There we go. Next slide. There we are. Chubby little babies. <laughs> chubby little babies. We love our chubby little baby angels, don't we? We have pretty ladies with halos. That's what angels look like, right? And in the cartoons there, it's the dead people. When, when people die, uh, some sort of spirit floats away and suddenly they know how to play the harp. That's what an angel is, right? These are the kinds of things that we think about when it comes to angels. The problem, of course, is that none of these images are, are really relevant at all to what the Bible actually says about angels. So before we talk about why angels matter, and I do want to talk today about why angels matter, I wanna end up with why angels matter. But before we talk about why angels matter, I wanna do a real quick review of what the Bible actually says about angels 
and who they are. The Bible affirms that angels are, in fact, part of God's creation, uh, which is to say that God created them. We don't know exactly when. They aren't mentioned in the Genesis account of creation when we have the on day one, he created this, on day two, he created that. They aren't mentioned there, but they do appear in Genesis. So at some point, God created them. The reason they don't appear in the Genesis account is that Genesis tells us the story of how he created the earthly realm, whereas angels were created by God to dwell in heavenly realms. Angels are not human. Do we understand that? They are not human. Sometimes we hear people talk as if, like on that cartoon screen, that when people die, they become angels. You might hear someone say, oh, so-and-so that passed, they're my angel now. Uh, that's a, a nice sentimental statement, but it's, it's factually inaccurate. Angels and humans are not the same. Uh, when cats die, they don't become dogs, right? Those are two different things, right? When people die, they don't become angels. God created angels as a unique being. And why did he create them? Well, here's where I want to tell you. There's, there's really four main reasons that the Bible tells us about why God created angels. The first is this, God created angels to be servants. Uh, there are many biblical references to angels that portray them as God's servants in heaven. But God's directions to them are often that they should be caring for God's people on earth. Hebrews chapter 1. The book of Hebrews actually has a lot to say about Hebrews. I'm sorry, about Hebrews. About angels. The book of Hebrews has a lot to say about angels. And in chapter 1, we read, Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. And as we read the stories of the Bible from beginning to end, we can come up with plenty of examples of this. The Israelites were led through the wilderness uh, by an angel who appeared to them as a pillar of fire. The Bible says that, that Zechariah, the prophet, who was one of the rebuilders that we looked at last year, Zechariah had a series of visions, and those visions he was led, he was guided by an angel who explained those visions to him. Uh, angels uh, met with Jesus after his 40-day fast, after he was tempted by the devil. Angels met with Jesus to care for him as servants would care for someone who was weak and sick. Angels strengthened Jesus near the end of his life and in the garden of Gethsemane as he prepared for the cross. It says an angel came and ministered to him there. Throughout many of the Bible's best known stories, angels stand often very inconspicuously in the background, but they are serving God. They are doing his bidding. They are helping his people. Of course, they're not just butlers, though, right? God created angels to be messengers. Actually, the role of messenger is so central to what an angel is that in the ancient languages of the Bible, it's the same word. The word for angel is the word for messenger. So if you read, for instance, in your Bible that the king sent a messenger to the armies, and then a few paragraphs later, you read that God sent an angel to his people. It's the same word. The word for angel is the word for messenger. Now, there are many examples in Scripture of angels acting specifically as messengers. 
Probably the most famous one comes from the Christmas story. There were shepherds out in the field watching their flock. And what does Luke 2 tell us? Verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among the shepherds. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Here we have an example of an angel serving as a messenger delivering the message of God to his people. It was an angel that told Abraham when he got to the top of the mountain, there's a ram in the thicket there. You can use the ram for the sacrifice. It was an angel, the book of Exodus says, that at first appeared to Moses from within the burning bush and allowed him to hear the message that God had for him. It was an angel that stood at the mouth of the empty tomb and told the women, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus isn't here. He is risen just as he said he would. Many of the most important stories in the entire Bible are driven by angels who delivered the essential message of God. Oftentimes, angels get to do more than just deliver the message. They get involved in the story, especially the most exciting, the most dangerous stories. And that's because God created angels to be warriors. Most of the duties that we see angels perform in the Bible, most of these duties would be ill-suited to a chubby baby or a pretty girl with a harp. They're warriors. Jesus knew the power of angels in his life. When he was surrounded by the soldiers that came to arrest him, when the disciples were ready to fight back, and Jesus was telling them, there is no need for you to fight back. Look at what he says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 26. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us? and he would send them instantly. Jesus knew that angels are warriors. Angels are capable of fighting as the fiercest warriors. It was angels who came to protect Lot and his family from the evil people of Sodom. It was an angel who brought death to all the Egyptian firstborn on that Passover night. It was an angel who destroyed the Assyrian army when they were about to attack Jerusalem. In the Bible, when angels appear to humans, very often the first words of those angels are, don't be afraid. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? I'll tell you why that is, because angels are scary. They are fierce and they are scary. And most often when they appear to people, the people that see them want to wet themselves. And it's the angels saying, don't be afraid. Angels are fierce warriors. They are terrifying in their power and in their strength. Perhaps most importantly, though, God created angels to be worshipers. He created them to be worshipers. We see in the vision that John has at the very end of our Bible, in the book of Revelation, this vision that kind of encompasses all of eternity. Revelation chapter 7, verse 11, he says, And all the angels were standing around the throne, and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped God. (coughs) Excuse me. We've been singing a song lately that references this moment in Scripture. We sing all the saints and angels, they bow before the throne. It's this moment 
that that song is describing, this kind of eternal role as an, of angels as worshipers in the very throne room of God. But let's remember, we don't have to wait until the end of the Bible to find out that angels are worshipers. We don't have to wait until the end of time to see angels as worshipers. Moses, in the very beginning of our Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy, spoke about the role of angels as worshipers. Nehemiah, another one of the rebuilders that we learned about last year, Nehemiah and some of his teaching to the rebuilders taught about angels as worshipers of God. And many of our favorite Psalms celebrate this role of angels as the ones who constantly bring praise before God. Angels are passionate, passionate beings. There's no, I don't think there's no bored angels. They do everything full on. They are passionate beings. They are committed to their roles as servants and as messengers. They are mighty in their strength as warriors, and they are eternally engaged in the position of extravagant worshipers of the God who created them. And these are the reasons that they were created. These are the reasons that angels exist. This is kind of what they do and who they are. They have a purpose. You might say that angels are like people in that they have been given a great assignment by God. Unfortunately, in understanding angels, we have to acknowledge at this point, the Bible tells us that some angels have abandoned their assignment. Some angels have abandoned their assignment. Many of you are probably familiar with the teachings that say that Satan was originally an angel. He was created as an angel, but he led a rebellion against God. He was then cast out of heaven along with the angels who sided with him. And, and we call those angels demons. Now, the Bible never exactly spells that part of the story out in precise detail. There's no specific chapter that you can go to that will say Satan was an angel and then this happened and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. There are a number of passages that deal with that fact, but they are all very highly symbolic. They're very, very vague. And so it's hard for us. It's hard for us to say exactly what happened, much less how it happened or exactly when it happened. But it is clear from reading the Bible that a great many angels have abandoned their assignment and they therefore await judgment and punishment. One of the most explicit references to this comes from the tiny book of Jude near the end of your Bibles. Verse 6 of Jude reads, And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but they left the place where they belonged. Angels fell. Now, this isn't a sermon about demons. It's not my intent to turn this into a sermon about demons. This is a sermon about angels, but it is worth taking just a minute or two to highlight a few things that we need to know that I believe every Christian needs to know and understand about fallen angels. The first is this, remember this, Satan is not God's adversary. He is not God's equal or God's rival. He was one of God's servants. He, he was the help, right? He, he was the help, but he broke his allegiance and he abandoned his post. And that means he has no ability to outpower or outmaneuver God because that battle has already been decided. 
the story of the universe, understand this. This is, we, we, we talked about the word worldview, how we see the world. And this is one of the things that sets the Christian faith apart from the rest of the world. Most of the rest of the world, as I understand it. Our worldview, our understanding of how the universe works, it is not a struggle between good and evil. The Christian worldview says, no, evil has already been destroyed. There is not a struggle between good and evil. The story of the universe is, in fact, the story of how evil has never been able to prevail. Evil has never been able to prevail over good, and it never will. Satan is not God's rival. We also need to remember that demons are real. They are angels, and therefore, they have the same skill set as angels. That means that they are mighty warriors. That means that they have the ability to interact with people, as we've already seen from the Bible stories we've referenced. The Bible tells us to be very aware and alert of the schemes of fallen angels. That would be Satan and his demons. One of the classic passages, I didn't write it down for you, but let me just read this. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. That's a clear reference to the fact that our battle is spiritual in nature. The demons are real. But here's what we need to remember as the people of God. God is always stronger than Satan and his demons. Right? Jesus is already victorious over them. We are approaching the time of year uh, when, when, when our culture celebrates Halloween. I could probably preach a very angry pastor sermon about Halloween and how evil it is and, and things like that. We know that there is a background of deep demonic uh, purpose in, in, in the holiday Halloween, but there's also a lot of candy involved. So uh, we do, we, you know, we kind of overlook the one in favor of the Snickers bar uh, in that. I'm not going to preach that, that sermon today. I am going to say that it is important, whatever choice you make for your family, for your children about celebrating Halloween culturally, the way we tend to do what, whatever choice you make, I'm not going to presume to instruct you on that. But I think we do need to remember, number one, demons are real. The roots and the basis of that part of our culture are very, very real. But as followers of Jesus Christ, as those under God's protective presence, we have to remember, I'm not stronger than a demon. Demon will kick my tail any day of the week, right? But God is always stronger than Satan. God is always stronger than the demons. Jesus is already victorious over them, and the Holy Spirit is always more powerful than any dark spiritual force. Moreover, and this is where we're kind of getting into the fun part of the sermon, God has legions of angels. Do we hear that? Legions of angels who are spiritual warriors specifically equipped and purposed to battle demons. And for these reasons, Christians have no reason to fear demonic forces. Are you ready? 
as long as we remain in God's protective care. I saw a video this week of um, a herd of elephants on the the Serengeti plain. You know, I love those, those planet Earth, Africa, whatever you know, National Geographic kind of videos. There was a a baby elephant. Who doesn't love baby elephants? Come on now. Come on now. Who doesn't love baby elephants? I'll tell you in Africa who loves baby elephants. It's the packs of wild dogs. There was a pack of wild dogs that thought they they could get a nice meal. You know, even a baby elephant would feed a pack of wild dogs, I imagine, for quite some time, right? And so they had cornered this little baby elephant and they were moving in, and the little baby elephant with his little trunk, you know, doing his little trumpet, and, you know, help, help, help. And, and the herd, the herd heard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the herd heard. And they moved in. You can picture it. If you've ever seen a National Geographic video, you know exactly what happened. Those elephants moved in, they circled around that baby, literally shoulder to shoulder, ears out. They looked twice as big as they really are and they're big enough on their own, right? Trumpets blasting, feet pounding, feet pounding. It was a bad day to be a wild dog in Africa. It was a bad day to be a wild dog in Africa. They circled around that little baby elephant, baby elephant that, that there behind their legs, just like sticking his little, little face out like, how, how you like me now? How you like me now? That's right. See, that that little baby elephant, as long as he's in the place he's supposed to be, has nothing to worry about those wild dogs. You might feel like the spiritual forces of this dark world that, that we just read about are scary and frightening. Hear me say, they are. They are. They are. They are wild dogs who have the ability to destroy. But when I'm where I need to be, I've got nothing to worry about. When I'm surrounded by the protective elephant-like presence of God, I've got nothing to worry about. I'm watching that video going, go baby elephant, go baby elephant, come on. All right? And those truths, all those things we just said about demons, they are especially relevant as, as now I kind of get this thing back on the rails. Let's return to the focus today. Angels. And here's why they're important. Angels can interact with people. Visibly or not. It can go either way. There are multiple instances throughout the Bible where people see angels. We've already identified several of them. We've already talked about several of them. But there are also multiple stories throughout the Bible where angels are present but they're not seen. They're present, but people don't realize that they're present. I think of the story of Balaam who rode his donkey and the donkey kept stopping on the road. The donkey stopped because the donkey could see. The donkey could see that there was an angel guarding the road, but Balaam couldn't see the angel. Balaam's beating his donkey, saying, come on, donkey, move. In my mind, the donkey has the voice of Eddie Murphy, kind of like Shrek, right? (laughs) And that's important because if you know the story, the donkey does eventually speak, sounding like Eddie Murphy, right? But Balaam couldn't see the angel. He couldn't see. The angel was there, but he couldn't see it. The prophet Elisha was once surrounded by an enemy army who was sent there to kill him. And Elisha had a servant. Poor servant. Servant was scared out of his tree. And Elisha's like eating his lunch, like not even a deal, right? 
And the servant's like, you must be crazy. What's going on here? And Elisha says, don't you see what I see? And he begins to pray. And the Bible says the servant's eyes were opened and he saw that surrounding the army that had come to attack them, on the hills, as far as he could see, legions upon legions of angels riding horses and chariots. Elisha's like, we got nothing to worry about. We, they, think, they think we're surrounded. They're surrounded. But the servant couldn't see it. The servant couldn't see it. Sometimes angels are present, but not seen. On the other hand, sometimes angels are seen, but not recognized. We're alerted to this, again, in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 13 says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Now that happened, that exact thing happened a couple of different times in the life of Abraham and of some of his family. And there are multiple, multiple places throughout Scripture where people have encounters with angels but they don't initially realize they're talking to an angel. It's only later on that the Bible will say, and suddenly they realize that was an angel of the Lord. But they didn't know it at first. Sometimes they're seen, but not recognized. Can I give one other, just kind of off the rails, off the topic, one other cautionary word about fallen angels? This reality, this, this seen but not recognized, this unseen but yet present. This reality is precisely why I made the point a couple of weeks ago that the Bible does not leave any room for the possibility that people who have died can still interact with us. I said then, and I'll repeat it today, there are no such thing as ghosts. Certainly not in the way we think of them in our cultures. What we do have, according to the Bible, are spiritual beings, angels and demons. And they are masters of disguise and they can visit us without us recognizing them for who they are. And so I would want you to know this. Any time in which it appears that someone can, in fact, interact with the dead... I think the Bible, the scripture, God's word, leaves us only three possibilities in instances like that. One possibility, and this I think happens all the time, that our vivid, vivid memories combine with maybe a broken heart, maybe a passionate feeling of, of, of some sort to make us feel as if someone we love, perhaps, is still here. We feel as if, but the Bible would say it's just an as if. It's not really real. Another possibility is that we're dealing with charlatans or frauds, human frauds, who will use trickery to fool us for their own gain. I can contact the departed. I can speak with them. I can hear from them. But they're frauds trying to trick us for their own gain. The third possibility is perhaps, not even perhaps, it's definitely the most serious. And it's this. We are dealing with real spiritual forces, demonic ones. And the Bible says that even Satan himself will masquerade as an angel of the light. Do you know the Bible says, don't trust an angel. If you think you see an angel, you think you heard from an angel, don't trust it. Line it up against God's word. Discerning in community, don't trust it because even Satan himself has the ability to disguise himself and he will try to trick you. 
And so sometimes I think we have to acknowledge that we are dealing with dark spiritual forces, demons who know how to trick and would love to harm human beings by impersonating people we know, people we love, people we trust. Those are the possibilities. But again, I digress. I'm not here to talk about demons. I'm here to talk about angels. And so I want to bring us to this point of emphasis. God created angels for our benefit. I want us to know that today. I want us to leave today with that that truth in our hearts. God created angels for the benefit of his people. Think about it. I told you all the reasons why the Bible says God created angels or who he created them to be or how he created them to exist. But now go through that list in your mind and think about it again. We said he created them to be servants, but God is all sufficient. He doesn't. He doesn't really need servants, right? We said that he created them to be messengers, but the Bible says that God's own voice is over the oceans and throughout the earth. He he really doesn't need a postal service. We said that he created them as warriors, but think about it. God is all powerful with just a word. He can defeat the enemy. He doesn't really need an army of warriors. We said that they were worshipers, but God's holiness is, is evident to all of creation. He didn't really need to create a separate class of being just to be the worshipers, just to pick up the slack, as it were. All of creation recognizes his holiness. See, all the angels of heaven aren't really there for for his benefit. They're there for ours. Speaking to those who put their trust in the Lord, the psalmist writes in Psalm 91, verse 11, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. For those that put their trust in the Lord, he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They're there for your benefit. Church, I think that learning a little bit more about angels can be helpful. Always in favor of knowing more, of learning more, of understanding more. It's always good to understand what the Bible really says and and what the Bible doesn't say. Angels aren't chubby little babies with wings. Angels aren't pretty girls with halos. Angels aren't the spirits of the departed. And it's good that we understand that. But far more important than that, is understanding the amazing truth of what the Bible does say about angels and the purposes that they have for us and why it matters to you and why it matters to me. Remember this, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The truth is always more wonderful than what we could have imagined. The truth is always better than what we thought might be the case. The truth is always better. And I believe that's the case as it pertains to angels. And the truth is this. There are in existence legions upon legions of warrior servants of the Most High God that even right now surround his people in the spiritual realm. And they are ready to act at a moment's notice. Church, I believe that this very room today is filled with angels. Do you believe that? Do you hear that? Do you understand that? I believe that this very room today, we have the ushers stand in the back after worship gets going and take the head count so we can do it with our records. Imagine, imagine if we had more spiritual ushers. 
<laughs> Brother Bob, could you see with spiritual eyes and include the angels in the head count next week? Right? Brother Jim, would you make sure that we get every halo in that number? Okay? We're, we're going to say, because I believe that there's hundreds here. I believe that there's thousands here. I don't, I don't know what the number is. I just know that the scripture tells me there's lots. There's lots. And how many of you know? How many of you believe? How many of you trust that God's lots is plenty for me? It's plenty for me. It's sufficient for me. There are angels with us here today ready to act at a moment's notice. And maybe you just needed to hear that today. Maybe you just needed to hear you are not alone. Maybe you just needed to hear you are not alone. The Bible tells the story of Hagar and Ishmael who were abandoned by their family in the desert. They were dying of thirst. They had drunk their last drop of water. They were going to die. And in that moment, it was an angel who showed up to care for them. It was an angel who pointed that young mother Hagar to a well of water and affirmed God's presence and protection over the life of her and her young son. Maybe today you feel like Hagar. Maybe you feel abandoned. Maybe you feel forgotten. Maybe you feel betrayed. There is a divine messenger who would stand over the people of God today saying, God has not forgotten you. God is strengthening you. God is providing for you. Daniel was sentenced to execution in the den of lions. And the Bible tells us that in that den, it was an angel who came and shut the mouths of the lions. And maybe you feel like Daniel today. Maybe you feel condemned. Maybe you feel hemmed in by your enemy. Maybe you feel like you are facing certain destruction. I want you to see today that there is an angel who renders your enemy harmless. Have the faith, as Daniel did, to just spend that dark night in the presence of your enemies, knowing that they can't touch you. When Joseph the carpenter's life was was falling apart, when his heart was broken, when his dreams were shattered, when his reputation had been destroyed. It was an angel who encouraged him to stay the course. It was an angel who affirmed that God's blessing was still upon him and that God's plans were still in effect in his life. And maybe you feel like Joseph today. Maybe you feel confused. Maybe you feel bewildered. Maybe you feel humiliated. Maybe you are questioning whether what you once believed is still true. I want you to open your ears today and hear the voice of the angel who would tell you, do not be afraid. I know this isn't what you expected, but God is in it. And here are your next steps. And it was when Peter was jailed and awaiting his own execution. I love Peter. You know what the Bible said he did that night? He slept. I love Peter. When he was asleep, the night before his own execution, it was an angel that appeared to him and broke his chains, neutralized the guards, unlocked the doors, and led him to freedom. Maybe you feel, maybe you feel like Peter today. Maybe you feel bound. Maybe you feel persecuted. Maybe you feel marked for destruction. Maybe they lied about you in an effort to ruin you. Know that even as you sleep, God has dispatched his angels to break your chains and to guide you to safety. In times like these, I think our prayers need to mirror the prayer that Elijah had for his servant. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our eyes to the spiritual realm when we feel surrounded When we feel cut off, when we're overwhelmed, show us that there are more of us than there are of them. Is that God's word for you today? There are more of us than there are of them.
Can I say that one more time so you'll remember it? There are more of us than there are of them. The God who commands angel armies has dispatched them on our behalf. Church, we're surrounded. We're surrounded. We are surrounded by divine warriors. Amen. Show us the truth that our human eyes cannot see. The truth is always better than what we thought. The truth is always more amazing, more beautiful. The truth is always better for me than what I had hoped. That's what the Bible means when it says, I, I can't see and ear can't hear what God has prepared for those who love him. You can't begin to imagine how good the truth is. And then we open the word of God and we begin to live into it. We begin to discover, oh my goodness, it's not what I thought it was. It's so much more wonderful. We can, we can stand in church and, and sing, our God is fighting for us always. I like that song a lot. That's one of my favorites. I like to be reminded in my worship time that God is for me and he's not against me. I like to be reminded that this, this thing doesn't rise and fall on my ability. Can I just say that as a pastor, that's a message that I need to hear most every Sunday morning at 10:14 a.m. This thing doesn't rise and fall on my ability because God is surrounding us, right? God is over us. God is among us. That is important. That, that's a good thing to know, but there's something that just makes me, whew, to realize that it's not just about God's presence over us, it's, it's his lieutenants that have been dispatched. I look at the empty chairs between some of you as, as we socially distance. Man, they are not socially distanced angels today. <laughs> Did you hear that? Do you hear that? Do you understand? There's no mask over the mouth of the heavenly messenger sent to declare his word over his people, right? The angels are with us. I don't think, I don't think, maybe I'm just speaking for myself today, I don't think we think about that enough. I don't think we remind ourselves of that enough. I was working with Janet uh, this week in preparation for this sermon. We were trying to think of, well, what, what are the songs that we could sing that might set our minds on the realities of angels? And I'm sure there's a handful of them out there. But in, in today's Christian music, in, on, on the set list that we have at HRCC, we couldn't come up with a really, really good fit of a song that focuses our minds on the truth of the angelic messengers and warriors that God has dispatched in our midst. And then I did that, that old man thing where I go, well, in my day, in my day, because when I was a little boy, we did sing about that in church. We used to sing, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. Do you know the next line? I can feel the brush of angels' wings, and I see glory on each face. When I was a little boy, we used to sing, we'd clap our hands and sing, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, whose grace is sufficient for me. And the last line of that said, uh, he who gives his angels charge over me, Jehovah Jireh cares for me, for me, for me. Is it just me? Yeah. <laughs> I need a basque. I'm looking in your direction. I'm looking in your direction. 
There was one more that I, there were lots that I remembered, but there was one that I sang again and again and again this week as I was preparing those. I had Robert pull the words up for you. It says, we are standing on holy ground. Do you remember this one? Would it be okay if I went over the piano? Yeah. Would it be okay? Oh, come on now. Come on now. Church, would you stand? Would you stand? Let's just live into this presence. Let's lean into this truth here. Lord, we, we declare and we remember today, because not because we have said it, not because some songwriter said it, but Lord, because you have said it, that this is holy ground. This here is holy ground. Lord, this isn't heaven. This isn't heaven. But it sure is an outpost of your kingdom. Amen? It sure is an outpost of your kingdom. And that means, Lord, that the divine, angelic messengers, warriors, servants, and worshipers of your kingdom are present with us today. They are garrisoned at Hobson Road Community Church. They are garrisoned at this outpost of the kingdom. And we believe and attest to the fact that we are surrounded even now on this holy ground by your angels. And so we pray, Lord, that as we close the service today in prayer, as we close the service in song today, that you would open our eyes. I pray the prayer of Elisha over these servants of yours. Open our eyes that we would see the hillsides that surround us. Open our eyes that we would see those who surround our enemies with blazing swords, with chariots of fire. Open our eyes to see that there are more of us than there are of them. Lord, your people today, in many cases, God, we feel outnumbered. We feel outmanned. We feel cornered. We feel hemmed in. They have spoken lies about us. They have spoken untrue things about your children, God. They have plotted to destroy us. God, they have done terrible things. Satan and his demons are busy. They can't do the thing they wanted to do. And so they're stuck doing the only thing they can do. But Father, your protection over us is sufficient. Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us precisely how many angels there are. It just kind of tells us there's enough. There's enough. We thank you, Lord, today that your plenty is more than enough. We thank you, Lord, that your sufficient is more than we could imagine. We thank you, Lord, that your enough is all we need. And so today, Lord, we declare, we receive, and we stand upon those truths. We know today, God, we know today that you are sufficient, that there are divine messengers, warriors, and servants, that surround us in this holy place. We worship you. We worship you. Thank you for us.
give you honor, we give you praise, and we give you glory today. Lord, we thank you for all of these things in the strong and sufficient name of Jesus and all of his people and all the angels who feel free to chime in. They all said, Amen. Amen. We'll be blessed today as we dismiss. Have a great day.